Borderland 2007. So I had to go back to YouTube to watch a scene to jog my memory about this movie because it's been a long time since I've seen it. It was a scene where Ryder Sky is being held captive. He has duct tape on his mouth. He's all bloody and chained up and shit. And then you see Sean Aston come in to focus. And he's like, hey, it's time, buddy. So he's dragging him into this room full of people and their faces are out of focus. And then you see this guy come down with his, I don't know, looks like he has oil slit back in his hair or some shit. With a meat cleaver, he comes down these steps and he chops Ryder into the shoulder with this damn meat cleaver. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then what proceeds to look like that he tears his tongue out with his teeth and then he strings him up. I guess he, and that's when the scene ends. I guess he, he's, what I vaguely remember is where he just hangs with a dryer or some shit. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm afraid to go back and watch it. I really am because I might have nightmares about this movie. I don't know. It's, it's very rare and I had nightmares, but this movie might well just top the fucking cake. Seriously. <laughs> this film serves as a warning to morons everywhere. Just saying, if you venture into Mexico, you hook up, eat a handful of mushrooms, and then make a steady stream of poor decisions, then yeah, gathering spirits forwards of pure evil are going to ruin your fucking day. I, I can't, I can't sugarcoat that anymore. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Hello, all you magnificent, sexy sons of bitches. This is the Horror Hound. And in this cult edition, I'm going to be speaking about the movie Borderland and how it was inspired by true events. You're thinking, oh God, here we go again. And that's not entirely true. I mean, it's, it's by true events, but hey, that's what the season's all about. Movies inspired by true events, right? Okay. So, I'm going to tell you straight up, this film fucking delivers, no doubt. It takes a lot to make me genuinely cringe at this type of horror, but this film not only made me cringe, but it made me legitimately uncomfortable the entire running time. If there ever was a right time to yell out warnings to the deaf-eared protagonists, now would be the fucking time to do it. <laughs> so, this is the story of three college friends who traveled down to Mexico. Once there, they are abducted by a drug cartel that is not interested in holding them for ransom. But it turns out this cartel has a liking for human sacrifices and the love for all things Satan. Oh, goody. <laughs> so, you never really think about the religious beliefs of drug cartels until you see this movie. I mean, they got their beliefs like, you know, the coyote god or uh, the, the smuggling dude. I can't remember his fucking name. I don't know. Whatever. That's besides the point. Um, but there's nothing more scary about a narco-Satanist that gives them a little bit more of intimidation factor. I mean, the idea may be terrifying, but the fact that they do exist should scare the living hell out of you. So, who is the head honcho of this cult anyway? Uh, Adolfo Costanzo is the guy's name, in case you're wondering. Um, was born on November 1st, 1962 in Miami, Florida. His mother was a 15-year-old Cuban immigrant. She would go on to have three more children by three different men. There, and, and after that, I guess, I guess her and her children moved to San Juan, Puerto Rico, after her first husband died. See, that is one factor of starting a serial killer, is having all these different fathers and shit. Different beliefs. Oh, by the way, I'm going to spank you. No, this other guy said, no, I'm going to reward you. You're confusing the kids. Fucking stop it. <laughs> Adolfo's youth was so fucked up, his mom's memoir most likely may have been called 
How to Raise a Serial Killer in Three Easy Steps. Birthed in Miami in 1962 to a 15-year-old mom, he matured in Puerto Rico with two more youthful step-siblings. Though he quickly worked as a Catholic church kid, he as well as his mom would covertly exercise a religious belief called Pablo Mayombe, which is an offspring of West African customs. I didn't know that. I know something every day. These religious beliefs include using Ananga, a consecrated cauldron full of emotionally effective products. And one of those, and those contents is human bones. Costanzo, as well as his mom, would certainly commonly take a trip to Haiti for his spiritual education and learning. Okay. West African customs. Then you go to Haiti where voodoo is like a big thing. You see where I'm going with this? Okay. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm going to explain it for you. Don't worry about that. So, in 1972, um, Costanzo and his mom moved to Miami, um, where she was a guy associated with the medication profession. He, as well as his mom, typically apprehended for, they were apprehended for minor criminal offenses. When their next-door neighbors gossiped regarding them, they would certainly leave them brainless poultries, dead geese, and goats directly on their doorsteps as a warning. Me. Okay, sorry, that was a very bad imitation of a goat. I'm sorry. On the other hand, Costanzo ended up being the pupil of a regional sorcerer, as well as cons- as being concerned that he had psychic powers, allegedly visualizing the attempted murder of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Whatever to tell yourself to sleep better at night. So, in 1983, Costanzo moved to Mexico City, as well as quickly he hired his first devotees. He began providing his solutions as a witch physician, casting spells for mobsters that were expected to provide them wonderful powers as well as best of luck. Rub my horseshoe, you'll get a million dollars. These spells all included the sacrifice of pets, many times unique ones such as zebra snakes and lion cubs. What, no zebras? I mean, no oh, no elephants? You can leave the elephant? Just might as well throw in the mix, dude, if you're going to go West African on you, so... <laughs> So, medication lords as well as corrupt federal government authorities obviously suits this as the phenomenon since the routines were so fierce. You call this a phenomenon. Sacrificing goats, zebras, snakes, lion cubs. I call it fucked up. So Adolfo then took his gang of cult members to Rancho Santa Elena where they could sell drugs and enjoy sacrificing in peace. Though this was a rewarding company, Costanzo wished to include human remains to the components for his spells. He desired to include human remains as the ingredients for his spells. Initially, he, he would burglarize tombs and where he discovered fresh remains and mutilated bodies began to show up around the city. Oh, got the dudes here. Don't need any more. Just throw them somewhere along the road. No one's going to give a shit. Figuring things in the moth hit. Cost them blow it off. Don't worry. About it. Eh, nothing to see here, people. Costanzo would certainly skin and make his victims suffer, um, begging for their lives, making certain to eliminate them one most agonizing method feasible. The body matter throughout this duration is uncertain. However, he hurt as well as eliminated a minimum of 20 individuals throughout this time around. Thinking his spells were the reason for the cartel's success, Costanzo required to end up being a complete companion of the Cazadas, a popular household. He wasn't a companion. He was his. He was their bitch. Just say it, dude. I, I I agree with you. He was their bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> when they declined him, 
relatives began to disappear. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't take a detective to figure that one out. Though the body would certainly show up later on with, you know, missing ears, toes, brains, and one situation, a spinal column. Dude, fatality prayer style. Nice. And Costanzo wound up partnering with the Hernandez household, rather. So he went from the Casados bitch, from being the Casados bitch, to the Hernandez bitches. Bitch. Okay. <laughs> so, thinking that he required a woman fan in order to help entice male sufferers, he attracted as well as hired Sarah Aldrette, no clue who that is, the sweetheart of a criminal offense manager. There you go, that's who she is. Nicknaming her La Madrina, as well as making her his high priestess. Anyway, Rancho Santo Alina, a separated home in the desert, which worked as the main office for his medication company. There he proceeded performing his human sacrifices undiscovered. Thinking his powers, he got them from, made him unsusceptible to exploration. The Mexican authorities never ever troubled to examine them until Mark Hilroy, an American University student, vanished. Oh, goody, this guy. I guess it takes an American to disappear for the federal government to get involved. Under the stress of the United States authorities, the Mexican authorities discovered as well as they robbed the cattle ranch. Why would they rob a cattle ranch? I don't know. They discovered Kilroy's brain in a naganga together with various other body parts. Fifteen mutilated bodies were discovered at the cattle ranch also. On March 13, 1989, American pre-med student Mark Kilroy crossed paths with a few of Adolfo's men. Mark Kilroy was on a spring break in Matamoros, Mexico, when his friends reported him missing. A search was conducted on both sides of the border, but neither turned up anything. Well, yeah. If the cartel gets a hold of you, dude, never, no one's ever going to find you again. That's just how it works. You feel me? Okay, moving on. Uh, it wasn't until Sirfin Hernandez blew through a checkpoint, causing a high-speed chase back to Adolfo's home that the authorities found out what happened to Mark. Once at the ranch, Sirfin was arrested with 250 pounds of marijuana. Really? Holy shit, dude. So, during the police interrogation, it came out that Mark and many others were murdered. Their bodies were buried somewhere on the grounds of the ranch. A search of the home and area uncovered multiple shallow graves. One of them was mutilated remains of Mark Kilroy. All the victims' bodies carried the telltale signs of having been sacrificed. Mark was killed by a machete to the back of the head. And his brain was removed. Awesome. Inside the home, they found the cauldron containing a black cat and a human brain. Probably Mark's. The police found 15 bodies total. So, hearing that the police were on to them, Adolfo and his followers fled to Mexico City just before the raid. They had held up an apartment building until deciding to open fire with a machine gun on a police officer responding to a building, to that building, that had nothing to do with them. What so fucking ever? Do his paranoid, I guess. Saw a guy in uniform. Hey, let's just kill him. Fuck it. Why not? We're all drugged up, right? <laughs> no one's going to miss him. So, back up for the police quickly arrived, and Adolfo and his men found themselves completely surrounded. Not ready to surrender, Adolfo offered one of his men to shoot him, which he did. Hey, dude, give me 100 paces to kill me. <laughs> You're going to die anyway. You're not going to be able to do anything with it anyway, so fuck it, right? So when police finally made their way into the apartment, they found Adolfo Costanzo dead at the age of 26, killed on his own orders by one of his own men. <clears throat> Costanzo's last murder mattered doubts. However, some place it as high as 70, as well as while his internal circle 
are all dead or behind bars. It's very feasible his religious beliefs survives on. As Valdez stated, when he was taken, El Padrino will certainly not be dead for long. So I guess that's Costanzo. El Padrino. Is there anyone who can translate that for me? Because I have no idea what it means. And now, moving on to the movie review. So, Borderland is an American-Mexican movie that explores the gory and bloody practices of drug dealers looking to sacrifice humans so their coke smuggling will go untouched. As someone would, or who cannot really enjoy gore porn, I was shutting my eyes most of the film. Okay, not most, but some really key parts, like when Narcos, Mexico Jose Maria Yazpig's character was dismembered within the first five minutes. Now that's one hell of an opening scene. No shit. The opening epilogue involves a gory torture sequence, which is unpleasant to say the least. But the story soon switches to the three Americans and their trip to Mexican strip joints, where a couple curvy señoritas are highlighted. I could tell this was shot on the west coast of Mexico rather than the east coast. The city scenes, for instance, were shot in Tijuana, substituting for the Matamoros. I've seen a lot of movies, I'm sorry. If you watch as much movies as I do, you can tell the difference. So, the film is very loosely based on the true story of Adolfo de Jesus Costanzos, the leader of a religious cult that practiced human sacrifice. Costanzos and his followers kidnapped and murdered University of Texas student Mark Kilroy in the spring of 1989. A trio of 20-something kids with real potential traveled down to Mexico for shits and giggles and decided to take a little R&R south of the border. They aimed to do the usual things tours do, get lit up, find some girls, maybe even a hooker, and Tijuana, and generally party down. Party down, man. <laughs> so, sadly, this is Mexico, a place where waking up with the remaining kidney is looked upon as doing okay. <laughs> so, in fact, there were a few familiar faces in Borderland, you know, Got Yaspek, Damian Algazar, played by Gilberto Rodriguez and Narcos, and Martha Hagreda, who played Kristen Ortega in Alter Carbon. Sean Astin is also in as a crazy guy. The story mainly focuses on three Americans, Ryder Strong, Ryder Strong as Phil, uh, Jake Muxworthy as Henry, also known as Racist Douchebag, and Brian Presley as Ed, as the nice guy. Uh, these Three examples of privileged college kids decided to go on to Mexico across the border and get a great way to party because the lack of law enforcement. Oh, you shallow souls. You wish you were, <laughs> you wish there was law enforcement. So loosely based on a haunting true story, the film features the standard wrong place at the wrong time and a foreign country premise. But director Zeb Berman does manage to squeeze quite a few thrills from the tired plot. Sure. The film is a tad light on horror, playing more like a gory crime thriller, but it's one of the best films After Dark has produced in a while. As expected, one of these three men will become the sacrificial lamb. Hey, you're, you got to take out the team, dude. I'm sorry. It, you, you drew the short straw. <laughs> so, not until, though, Henry's just the worst, and Ed meets Hegarita Valerita and falls in love. I did love her in the movie, but I simply love her regular Alta Carbon. Phil, who I nicknamed Cannon Fodder because he gets captured by the human sacrificing drug dealers, which brings everyone's Mexican vacation to a halt. Due to the law enforcement refusal to help, the friends meet Alcazar's 
Ulysses. They must team up and save Phil to take down the Narcos. So director Zeb Berman does a fine job capturing the mood in the dire atmosphere as our trio drift deeper into darkness at the hands of the ritualistic cult. Like most horror movie cults, this one is composed of foreigners with plans to unleash something terrible with the sacrifices. Add a sleazy cult leader, you know, the kind that only button like the first two buttons of their silk shirts. Likeable protagonist, a hot love interest, a cop with revenge on his mind. There's always a cop with revenge in these damn movies. And you have a solid horror film placed in the right hands. I found the film harrowing at times, very well balanced and willing to showcase the darker sides of reality, oftentimes not only reserved for fictional horror. Something about cults and being away from home in another country always freaks me out. This is a little like The Shrine, another cult movie involving foreigners that bothered the fuck out of me. The evil is always ancient, and the odds are never in your favor. It's bound to be the one special night in a thousand years or some shit that will get you killed in wretched ways. Borderland takes a common threat, and it weaves it together deftly. This is worth the rent, kids. Go watch it. So, closing thoughts. In the end, Borderland is that bad. The lighting was a little dark, but the ending was fine. The movie had a structured story and achieved what it wanted to. Being a disturbing film, uh, Borderland was also predictable. You pretty much knew it was going to happen every step of the way. So it was like a cookie cutter. Did we need a needless romance in the film? Not really. And the main bad Santillian, played by Boreto Suevas, reminded me of the Emotep from Mummy movies. Also, you always know a movie has gotten corny when you have this exchange. While the movie is sometimes unpleasant for obvious reasons, it's gritty, engaging, and well-acted, particularly the first half. I'm sure the director, Zeb Berman, is a fan of films like Apocalypse Now, because you definitely see glimmerings of that kind of greatness. Unfortunately, this was the last movie by Berman of his writing. He could have gone on to be a contender. Like Coppola. He could have been a contender! So that's all I got for Borderland. I hope you enjoyed the movie review. Um, continue to subscribe and support my podcast. I really do appreciate it. And don't forget, kids, ladies and gentlemen, I do have free stickers to hand out. Send me a message at the underscore horror underscore hound at yahoo.com and get your free sticker today. Additionally, this podcast can be streamed and downloaded on the following platforms. Anchor FM, Breaker Audio, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify.